On today's show, Kyler Murray and the continued evolution of quarterbacking in the NFL. Before we get there, I will give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Nebraska hosts Michigan Saturday night, primetime ABC. Nebraska plus four underdog. We will be taking them. This is the biggest, most realistic chance at a signature win in the Scott Frost era. I can't describe how fired up I am for this moment. I've been eating cobs of corn all week. They have no butter. They have no salt. I'm not just eating the kernels. I'm talking the whole cob. My entire insides are filled with it. I don't know when they're going to come out. That's something to worry about after the game. The point is, it's an exciting time to be a corn cob, to be a corn husker, and to be able to watch Nebraska and Michigan on Saturday night. Because Nebraska, on a per-play basis, they're playing like a top-20 team. Now, their record is 3-3. Three and three because they have an unfortunate habit of sometimes doing very foolish things and sometimes tripping over their own feet. And I'm hoping that after last Saturday's performance against Northwestern, that's out the window because they brought in the Wildcats to Memorial Stadium. They hammer dunked on them. It was the most complete performance in four years for Nebraska. I'm hoping it is an indicator of things to come and not another one of those glimmers of hope that is suddenly squashed by another Big Ten power. I am currently in the most dangerous place that a fan can ever be. And I'm not talking about the cobs of corn inside. I'm talking about, I truly do believe that Nebraska is winning on Saturday night. And because of that, we will be riding the Nebraska Cornhuskers at plus four against Michigan. And we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Because I will need so much money to pay a doctor for corn cob removal after Nebraska Pulls it out on Saturday night. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. Sports are always evolving in ways fast, in ways slow. The times they are changing. Think of your Bob Dylan lyric. Uh, Yesterday, that tied into it. Just this relatively recent rise in coaching fourth down aggressiveness. This miniature revolution that I think is only going to get bigger as time goes on, kind of spearheaded by coaches like John Harbaugh and Andy Reid and Matt LaFleur and the subject of yesterday's show, Brandon Staley, the new coach at the Chargers, how all of those coaches are crafting winning recipes with fourth down aggressiveness as one of the ingredients. Now, when you're talking about it in terms of evolution, you look at how all those people have been coaching in present day. And you say, even a decade ago, a lot of the decisions that these coaches are making, and we're talking about some of the best coaches in football here, especially amongst Harbaugh and Reed, and even LaFleur based on his track record the last few years. A lot of the decisions they make every single game would have been considered blasphemy. Just, you can't, you're going for it on a fourth and two at midfield. You're going for it on a fourth and four in field range. You can't do stuff like this. But, the evolution is occurring, right? The revolution is occurring. Combination of those words. And fans and the way the sport is covered, and especially on the coaching side, we're just becoming more open to the idea that, ah, yeah, going for it on fourth down in plus territory, maybe it increases your chances of winning. We're seeing this across the board in in sports, period. Football, I've talked a lot about the passing revolution, just the explosion in college And the NFL, I mentioned a stat earlier in the week, just the simple idea that your average NFL pass 
6.4 yards per play. Your average NFL run, 4.4 yards per play. That's a two-yard gap. So the more you can pass, it's probably in your best interest because on average, it is worth more yards. Simple idea. And yet, it's only been relatively recent that teams are understanding that and utilizing that on the field. Basketball, you see it reflected in the three-point shot. A decade ago, yeah, people used it, but now it's just an explosion across the board. From a team shot attempts perspective, from individual attempts, every single year, records are falling because NBA teams in the last five years identified, you know what, three points is worth more than two. Maybe we should take more of those. And just the simple idea that in the past we thought, Shooting 33% from three, that's bad. But shooting 50% from two is good. And now we're going, well, on a per-possession basis, those are the same things. So if you can get a 40% three-point shooter, well, that's worth its weight in gold because that is well, well, well above that 50% threshold from two that people have loved for all of time. Uh, Hockey, we're seeing it reflected in just the willingness of teams and franchises to build rosters based upon Corsi numbers. Uh, what the amount of shots you have when you're on the ice, your team has when you're on the ice against what your you and, and your line mates allow when you're on the ice. In the past, it was always just about what is production, you know? What are your points? What are your plus minus? Just kind of archaic stats when it comes to understanding and maybe projecting moving forward. And now I think a lot of people within hockey, fans, the way that it's covered team building, coaching side, they're a lot more into the idea of the underlying numbers, which Corsi reflects that. Just are you driving play and will that translate into actual production? So these are enormous shifts compared to even the recent past, a decade ago, much less when you compare these sports to what they were in the 70s and it's almost unrecognizable comparing each to each other. Uh, And they're all obviously drastically impacting each of these sports. So I bring this all up because for today's show, I want to talk about stylistic evolution and specifically about the way that quarterback is played in present-day NFL. Quarterback, it's the most interesting position in sports. It is contained within the sport that I love the most, the NFL, football, and it's a position that I follow very closely and I like to talk about it. That's why A week or so ago, I recorded a show about Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Lamar, who is playing phenomenal football right now, I will hear hear no arguments otherwise, and Baker, who is not. He has struggled greatly the last two weeks. Uh, But I recorded a show about the way that these two quarterbacks are covered and the general reluctance of a lot of fans and media to kind of accept their skill sets as Winning skill sets. And think of winning in air quotes if you're listening to this. Uh, Part of that show was winners in the past. And winners, again, in hard, hard, hard air quotes. Your winning quarterbacks of the past, they checked all the traditional boxes. The big, the strong, the drop back passer, the CEO, the buttoned up suit and tie leader. Come on, follow me. That's what... They were in the past, and in present day, that's still what some people think should always be your quarterback. That's how you'll win. It should always be a Tom Brady-style player. Now, 
I don't believe this, even though Tom Brady has won a ton, uh, because I'm a big believer in you can find a lot of different avenues to success. Another common theme within this show. And I also love on the fan side, diversity and skill at the position. I think it increases the value of the product. I think it makes it more entertaining to just watch in any given Sunday rather than watching 30 of the same offenses trot out there with 30 of the same quarterbacks. I love the place that the NFL is in right now. It's an incredible place at quarterback because there's overwhelming skill first and foremost, but part of that, there's stylistic diversity at the position. I was looking for purposes of the show. I'm just looking, you know, at the teams to jog my memory and I'm going down the list and going, I can't believe how many quarterbacks there are that I'm genuinely interested to watch week to week and the different ways that they play this position. Whether it's right at the top with Rodgers and Mahomes, stylistically similar, but two of the most transcendent quarterbacks we've ever seen. Or different styles, but still great quarterbacks. Uh, you know, they're big and they're strong. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, but they kind of combine that with a more modernized approach, whether that's being uh, more willing to scramble in the pocket, being more willing to just run in general, but also sit in the pocket and just throw these Bazooka Joe passes all over the field right on the money. Some of the younger people, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow, they haven't had a ton of success from a team perspective, and yet you've seen enough flashes from each of them to go, I mean, if the situation falls into place around them and they keep growing and understanding how to play quarterback, the sky's the limit on a lot of these young quarterbacks. The old guard, it's still there, the more traditional style, but still having great success, whether that's Brady, who I mentioned earlier, whether that's Matt Stafford in a new position going out of his mind, whether that's Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, players of that ilk. There's an incredible amount of skill and stylistic diversity. I haven't even mentioned Russell Wilson, uh, kind of in his own category as the backyard quarterback, much less Lamar and Baker, who I mentioned earlier. Now, I go through all this list because I want to talk about one player specifically who is being celebrated right now, as he should be, who is being uh, accepted kind of as like, hey, you can win. And this is pretty cool to see a team build upon a player with this unique of a skill set, a player that in the past, I feel very confident saying teams would have shied away from because he's small and he doesn't play the quarterback position in a traditional manner. Uh, however, the dude is as electric as anybody in the NFL. Kyler Burry quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, if you followed Kyler Murray's career dating back to college when he signed with Texas A&M as a highly touted recruit, everybody thought he was going to go play baseball. He's also supposedly an incredible baseball player. He was drafted high in the MLB draft. And if you're thinking about wearing and tearing your body, you usually guess if you can choose between the two, you probably will choose baseball just because you're not going to get hammered time and again by all these 300-pound dudes who run as fast as anybody. However, Kyler is freshman year. He's there playing football at Texas A&M. He's there in spot duty. He's not starting. I'm watching because I'm intrigued. Uh, who's this highly touted recruit? I'd like to see these people early on, you know, get a gauge for him. In mop-up duty, he's throwing five touchdowns versus seven picks his freshman season at Texas A&M. I'm going, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know what the big deal is, but it's young. I I'm not here to judge him in the moment. I'm sure there's a lot of skills that I haven't seen yet, and, and we'll see them come to fruition at some point. So Kyler goes, 
I don't want to play at A&M anymore. And he does what actually all quarterbacks should do. He transfers to Oklahoma. There's a tried and true formula there, whether it was Baker, then Kyler, then Jalen Hurts. You just transfer to Oklahoma. You pair it with Lincoln Riley. He'll cook most of the meal for you. And then you apply the garnish. And then you go to the NFL and become a starting quarterback. That's what all three of those quarterbacks did. So Kyler in his lone year is starter at Oklahoma. He explodes in a way that Baker had done actually all of the years that he was at Oklahoma, but especially his final year there. Kyler steps right in and Oklahoma's offense does not miss a beat. And he does it in a way that only Kyler can do. It's that equal parts of incredible passing and incredible accuracy, but paired with the highest level of running. Two traits that usually you don't see paired together into a quarterback. So that year he's 69% completion percentage. Seven out of every 10 passes, that's pretty pretty dang good. He's thrown for over 4,300 yards for a astounding 11.6 yards per attempt, 42 touchdowns against seven picks through the air. That is combined with that rushing side. 1,000 extra yards, 12 more touchdowns. So we watch that. Oklahoma's offense is just as good as it was with Baylor, or Baker, sorry. And... We're now going into the NFL draft, which Kyler, we still don't know if he's playing baseball or not, but it seems like he's committed to playing football. So now we arrive at this interesting moment when it comes to evolution in not only how the quarterback position is played, but what NFL teams are willing to accept and try to go out of their way to maximize. Uh, In the past, we know the traditional draft strategies of NFL teams. No matter how good you are as a quarterback in college, no matter how good you look, you just can't pick smallish quarterbacks very high up the draft charts. Kyler, he's 5'10", he's 190. Does not check those traditional boxes of the past. You want the 6'4", 220, can sit there in the pocket and throw it around. On top of that, also working against the idea that the Cardinals would be drafting Kyler Murray, Earlier, or a year prior, the Cardinals had drafted Josh Josh Rosen in the top 10. So they already have a young quarterback on their roster, draft in the top 10, franchise quarterback, he's the future, blah, 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 blah. If you're going back to traditional team building strategies, and this goes, this is true for any sport, if you've drafted somebody at a certain position, quarterback, within the recent past, highly touted, top 10, you're not going to take another young quarterback at that same position the year afterwards. It's the same idea how the Portland Trailblazers back in the day are passing over Michael Jordan and drafting Sam Bowie because we have Clyde Drexler at the shooting guard position. We don't need another shooting guard, okay? These are the traditional ways that teams have thought in the past. So both of these things are working against the idea that the Arizona Cardinals sitting there at number one in the 2019 draft would take Kyler there. Instead, they buck the trend. Uh, They say, Kyler, you're our guy. We're going to get rid of Rosen. And we think that the pairing of you and our new coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who's running the fun and gun or running gun, whatever you want to call it, down at Texas Tech, uh, the pairing of you guys, we can do a lot of different things that the NFL hasn't seen. And we think that it can be successful. This also represents the second year back to back that an NFL team had drafted a smallish non-traditional quarterback, number one overall. The year prior, as I've talked about before, Baker and Cleveland. And then 2019, Kyler Murray, 
and the Cardinals. So we go into the NFL, and I am very intrigued because those of you who listen to this consistently know that I really like following this kind of stuff. It's semi-experimental. And if you consider it against 30 years prior, it's completely experimental. Just we're going to get a smaller quarterback who possesses great skill, but we've never really seen a quarterback like this succeed in the NFL. A 5'10", 190-pound roadrunner style quarterback you know every time i see him run around it i get the meat meep in my brain and he's juking this and jiving this and and he's got incredible incredible speed and quickness and yet at the same time he's as accurate as anybody that i watch year one doesn't really translate to the team level cardinals are five ten and one uh the thing that i remember the most about kyler's year that year is they couldn't block he takes 48 sacks that year leads the league I'm going, uh, is he going to get just crumpled into a ball? He is 5'10 and 190. However, the flashes are there. Again, that roadrunner style, it's popping off the screen. The running and passing, they're there in equal measures. I'm kind of on pins and needles saying, I hope he doesn't get injured, but he seems pretty good at avoiding these hits so far, except for when his line can't block. But on called run plays, he's pretty good at it. He has escapability that's putting Russell Wilson to shame, something I never would have thought. And the arm, it's just, it's an NFL caliber arm at one of the highest levels. Something that I didn't necessarily expect. Year two, slightly better from a team perspective. Slightly better from Kyler's individual perspective. The Cardinals, they're 500, 8 and 8. His touchdown percentage jumps up by a percentage point, 3.7 to 4.7. Interception percentage stays the same at 2.2. Reasonable. However, his rushing numbers, they have a noticeable jump. 544 yards and four touchdowns his rookie year to 819 yards and 11 touchdowns his second year. Now, this is important to note because it was illustrating what we've seen Arizona lean into. A willingness to utilize Kyler as a runner, first and foremost. But number two, the important part, just as important as one, maybe even more so, understanding Kyler's skill set and trusting that you are smart and so quick and so fast that we can use you in the run game and trust you not to get clobbered. So 10 or 12 carries a game from Kyler, they're not the same as giving 10 or 12 carries to James Conner, who's going to get pounded right up the gut by a bunch of D tackles and linebackers. They're trusting those 10 or 12 carries for Kyler. We're getting him a little bit into space. He knows when to take a hit and when not. And he's not going to take the same wear and tear because we know that his frame and body can't really withstand it. Much like the Baltimore Ravens have done with Lamar in Baltimore. They've said, you're a transcendent runner. However, you can't take a pounding that running backs do because your career will be cut short like Robert Griffin's was in the past. So... We trust you can utilize this incredible running ability while also being smart enough and savvy enough and skilled enough to avoid these humongous hits that cut the running back position shelf life from 10 years to three, right? So we see that year two, and now we're into year three. And through four games, we're seeing the pieces fall into place. On the schematics side, on the situational side, and we're seeing Kyler's skill set really be able to shine. 
Cardinals as a team, they're 4-0. They're the talk of the town. Everybody's fired up about them. That's great. Kyler is the front runner for MVP. Early season, take it with a grain of salt, all that kind of stuff. However, I like the idea that he's already there in the discussion. Somebody who I think in the past would freak MVP voters out and they'd go, I don't know, this is weird. This is not a traditional quarterback. And how are they succeed? Uh, maybe it's harder to comprehend his impact on the field because it comes in equal measures through the run game and the pass game and also just what his skill set opens up for his teammates. And instead, we're seeing Kyler's combined running and passing just decimate defenses like it did against the LA Rams on Sunday. The team that going in was the talk of the town. Situation and Kyler's talent, they are aligning through the first month of the season. Now, I want to read something from Shio Kapadia of The Athletic about Kyler and how he's playing now. One number that reflects how Murray's playing right now, 9.7. That's the percentage of tight window throws he's attempted this year, according to Next Generation Stats. It's the third lowest percentage in the NFL. Guys are getting open, whether because of scheme, winning their one-on-ones, or Murray extending plays, and he consistently knows where to go with the ball. Murray is completing 76.1% of his passes and averaging 9.5 yards per attempt, end quote. So you see illustrated by that paragraph, the alignment of situation and talent, right? Like Shield puts it perfectly. Some of this is scheme, this idea that he's throwing passes into open windows. Third lowest percentage in the NFL as far as how many tight window throws do you have to make? Part of that is scheme. Part of that is his receivers are getting open. Part of that is Kyler can make magic out of thin air as we've seen him do since he came into the league. And sometimes that means you run around in a circle and then juke this way and juke that way. And then no cornerback can cover for six seconds and you fire it downfield to DeAndre Hopkins. Now, why I'm bringing all of this up is because, again, constant theme of the show. There are a lot of ways to succeed in life. I firmly believe that in any capacity, in your job, in your romantic relationships, in your interpersonal relationships, in just the general day-to-day pursuit of happiness. Uh, There are a lot of ways that you can find for yourself to do well in any of those areas. This also applies to quarterbacking in the NFL. And it hasn't been, the mindset of that has not been as embraced in the past as it's currently being embraced in the NFL. Something that I think is very cool and noteworthy and worthy of discussion. Kyler Murray, he's doing it in his traditional, non-traditional roadrunner style, right? Meet, meet, running all over the field, passing, juking, all that kind of stuff. Through four games, he's run for touchdowns in three of them. He's carving people up through the air, over 300 yards per game. On that aforementioned 76% combined with 9.5 yards per attempt. Those two numbers don't usually work in conjunction with one another. Either you have a high completion percentage and your yards per attempt is lower because you are just throwing short and ensuring that you will complete your passes or your completion percentage drops and your yards per attempt rises because you're taking shots downfield. Very rarely will you see percentage that high paired with a yards per attempt that is almost 10. It's an incredible combination through four games. Nine touchdowns through the air combined with four picks. 
you want to pluck individual plays to just kind of illustrate this stylistic diversity, let's do it. Go back to last Sunday against the Rams. There's a third and 15 with Arizona ball in plus territory. They call a pass play. Kyler drops back. Rams, good defense. They cover everybody. Kyler, he understands it. He starts scrambling out to the left sideline. Like so many Kyler plays, I'm watching it, and the angle is most assuredly cut off for almost any human being on earth by the defense. And Kyler, like the magician that he is, he takes these little roadrunner steps, and suddenly the angle doesn't exist. He's past it, and he's scampering down the sideline for a 20-yard gain, first down. Cardinals score on the drive. And they end up winning that game going away. That's the feat. That's the roadrunner. You want to pluck a play with his arm, which is just as good as his running ability. The one that I think back to is against the Minnesota Vikings. That crazy back and forth game. Cardinals probably should have lost. Greg Joseph misses field goal at the buzzer to lose for the Vikings. But in the second half of that game, there's a fourth and six. Cardinals again in plus territory. Time's winding down. And... The Vikings, not incorrectly probably in my opinion, say Kyler is so frustrating when he gets out of the pocket and breaks containment and it's so demoralizing. We are sending an all-out blitz and we are ensuring that the roadrunner is not going to scamper around. So he's going to have to make a throw and very quickly because we're just sending the house and everybody has single coverage elsewhere. And so they snap to Kyler in the shotgun and he goes... Oh, okay, I can beat you with this. And off of his back foot in the face of an all-out blitz, Kyler throws the most perfect teardrop you will ever see in the history of teardrops that falls into Christian Kirk's hands, running downfield, 30-yard gain, Cardinal score on the drive. They end up winning that game. Now, it's not all this perfect, but we're starting to see the vision behind the Kyler and Cliff pairing. We've seen Kyler's skills. We're seeing them get sharpened immensely. That's why he's the early season front runner for MVP. But we're also seeing Cliff, who I'm still not fully embracing as a good coach all around, but I'm starting to understand that he's gaining a better grasp on how to utilize Kyler, how to put him in position to succeed. Just stuff like the way that Kyler changes the math against run defenses. I'll pull another play from Sunday against the Rams when James Conner scores a two-yard touchdown, and you watch the way that the Cardinals are set up, and they run a Cliff Kingsbury special. There's four wideouts. They're all spread out, but they're at the two-yard line. The defense, they obviously have to go and cover these wideouts. They also know that Kyler Murray is there in the shotgun. He can run with the ball. He also can beat us with his arms, so we got to respect that. They also have James Conner there, who is a power tailback who might be running. And it creates such an incredible uh, quagmire for the defense having to wade through that you get what happens on that play, which is the Rams essentially having a six-man box at the goal line on the two-yard line. And Kyler just handing it off to James Conner for one of the easiest two-yard touchdown runs you'll ever see in the NFL. That's part of the value proposition that Kyler provides That's part of the value proposition that Lamar provides when I was talking about him a week ago. These runners that are truly transcendent, but they play the quarterback position. And the way that you can't fully grasp how a defense has to respond to that particular skill. 
James Conner gets a two-yard rushing touchdown. That'll never, ever be reflected in the box score for Kyler. And yet, the more you watch this offense and the more you watch Kyler, the more you understand how much his unique and incredible skill set not only does well for himself, but opens things up for others. So I bring this all up today because I'm in a good mood about the future of the quarterback position in the NFL. I think that Kyler's rise is one of the many reasons. Right now, as I'm watching the NFL, it's like one of the reasons right at the top of the list. That's why I'm talking about it today. Going back to the evolution stuff, the NFL, we know it's always evolving. We know that teams, they're always looking to maximize their chances for winning. And we know that within that process, they are always willing to overturn stones that previously nobody did. It's cool to try and think down the road what those will be. I'm not enough of a visionary to know that. But once they start happening, I go, oh, this is intriguing. This is fun to watch. This is fun to monitor and trace as time goes along. One of those areas is drafting small, mobile quarterbacks who are incredibly talented and building an offense around their skill set. So the coolest part about all of this is that Kyler's play is proving that once again, there are many ways to craft a winning team in the NFL. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.